Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is budgeting. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, you have one big giant caveat of this, so let's start there. <laughs> I may very well be mentioning an app, a program called You Need a Budget, which is also kind of shortened in the community to YNAB. Uh huh. And we are in no way sponsored or affiliated with YNAB. <laughs> Sadly, no. But if they want to become a sponsor or if they want to contact us, reach I would be, out. I'd be happy to talk to them. <laughs> but I use YNAB in my daily budgeting, our household budgeting. And we have been using YNAB for probably three or four years now. Okay. And I cannot imagine not having it okay. at this point. So if I talk about it, that's why. It's just because it's changed our household's life. Excellent. All right. We will get there. But let's take a step back and yeah. talk about budgeting, tithing, and stewardship. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? Well, it's a good question, right? This is all kind of synced up together in some ways in what we're looking to talk about here. Stewardship is a much more complex, much bigger conversation. But when we're talking about how do you figure out how to make your money work for you and your values yep, is kind of where this sort of kind of conversation, I think, came from. Yep. And what I appreciate about YNAB is that it talks about it in that way. It's not budgeting in kind of the traditional sense where you're thinking about what are the things I need to do this year and how do I, I need this much money for it. Okay. It kind of flips that on its head and when you receive money... The first thing you ask yourself is, what do I need this money to do before my next paycheck? Mm, okay. How do I put this money to work? So you're not projecting your expenses and then trying to find money to fill it in. You're receiving money and choosing how you're going to spend it until you're the next time you receive money. It's a slightly more thoughtful approach. In some ways. And it also is about only budgeting what you have. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so un-American. <laughs> right? <laughs> Rather than expecting that you're going to get more, you're only working with the money that you actually physically have in your hand. And you're asking yourself, not what do I want to do with this, but how do I put this money to work? Okay. How do I get this money to work for me until my next paycheck? And so then you start asking yourself your value questions. What do I really value that I want to put this money to work for? I It might be feeding myself and my family. It could be finding a way to put tithing as a priority. Okay. So for me, when we sat down to create our first YNAB budget, I was still the sole provider, sole income provider in my household. Okay. And there were three of us in my household still. And I sat down with it. And what I appreciated was that they give you like a form budget to maybe get you thinking about the kinds of things that you need. Okay. So they'll have, you know, mortgage or rent or electricity bill written in there and food and that kind of thing already in there for you. But they had giving as one of those basics. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful thing for me to see that giving was in there as a basic item that you would choose to put your money to work there. Not just that you're going to budget it in if you can, but that part of who we are as people of faith and who we are as people who have received abundance and gratitude and people who live within an attitude of 
I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, an attitude of gratitude Mm -hmm. is to assume that part of what you want your money to do when you receive it is to be given away. Okay. So when we set up our budget, I created a subcategory, you know, they're big folder kind of things. And one of our folders is living our values for us. And that's where tithing has gone in. And that's where my therapy goes. Sure. Right. Gifts go in there. So these are things that are our values. Our life insurance payment goes into living our values. So the very first thing that I put my money to work for in the month is towards my values. And what are those things that are going to keep us healthy, centered, and focused on the things that we value? And not just things we want and things that'd be cool and things that'd be fun. Or conversely, not just the mundane, I got to feed myself, I got to clothe myself, I have to shelter myself. Exactly. What are the higher things that really matter? Like if I'm not mentally and emotionally stable, I'm not going to be able to keep us housed. Sure. Right? I'm not going to have any interest in eating. Right? So mental health is in that value line. Life insurance, the stability that having that policy and the kindness that it is for my soul. So when I get behind the wheel, especially when I was the sole income provider, that I would get behind the wheel and go on long distance drives. And I would know that the risks that I was taking weren't going to put my family at so much risk because I had that life insurance policy there Mm -hmm. and they were going to be okay even if I wasn't. And so those kinds of pieces, even when we were living paycheck to paycheck and building debt, it mattered to put that in there. And giving is one of those. So tithing, for folks who aren't familiar with tithing, is the idea of giving away 10% of what you make. Where does this idea come from? Comes from the Hebrew scriptures. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tithing of the first fruits. So the idea is that the very first thing that you do when you receive is that you give away 10% of it back to God and God's work. It's a big deal. (laughs) It is. And some people work, like there's multiple different ways that people work up to this. And I would say that some people tithe off of net and some people tithe off of gross in our country. And it's kind of the Are you splitting hairs at that point? I don't know if you're splitting hairs or if it's just like different levels of your journey. Okay. Like that's what I would say. I mean, isn't it more important that you're actually doing the tithing rather than the pennies here versus pennies there? I mean, for me, it would be more than pennies. Well, right. Like, sure. Like if I'm thinking about pre-tax total income versus after I've had taxes withheld and all of that, that's a lot more that I would be giving away. Sure. It's a fair amount. And for the cynical person, you could go down the line and say, what is the point of somebody who literally only has pennies to give to give the pennies back? Yes. (laughs) And my eyes kind of lit up at that because there's a huge point to it. Okay. In that... I will say there have been times in my life where I have been able to give 5% and there are times where I've been able to give 10%. And I say able to give, sometimes it's choose to give, Mm -hmm. right? It goes both ways. I will say that when I am both choosing and able to give 10% and I have always done it after taxes. Okay. I've not ever gotten to a point where I am tithing off of the full before tax amount. I can never remember if that's gross or net. It's for the Warren Buffets to worry about. Right. Right. I find 
one, I get real excited about getting to find where I'm going to give away the money to. Because it's super fun to give away money. It is. And it feels good because we've done similar things. And at the end, once you total it up, it's kind of scary. <laughs> Depending yeah. on the year. Yeah. How is it scary? Because you realize the safety net that you're taking away from yourself in some ways, which is not the point of tithing. You're supposed to do it in mm -hmm. balance. Mm -hmm. But if you're an incredibly cautious person, as yeah. I am, yeah. there never seems like there's enough of a safety net, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, that's fair. I think that part of what I love about being able to give and getting to give at the rates that our household is able to do this right now is that it constantly reminds me of how much abundance we're receiving. Oh, sure. And there's a story in my family, like it's kind of one of these canonical stories, one of these family legend stories where my granny, my mom's mom, had gone to church one Sunday and had reached into her pocket and put her gift money into the plate for the week. And then she got out of the church and she realized that she had put her grocery money in. Ooh. And it was the difference of between like $2 for the gift money and sure. $20 for the groceries for the week to feed a family of six. Yeah. In the deep south in the 1960s. And she had no idea how she was going to feed her family because she had just given their entire food budget for the week to the church. And mom said that week, Granny was astonished because they somehow had more money and more food that week than they had in any week prior. Really? And that it came back kind of fourfold. They had like a special meal that week because somehow it had happened that they were blessed with this abundance that week. And I will say that in the times in my life where I have had the opportunity to be able to give like that, I don't get it. I don't know why it is that we suddenly have more by getting to be generous, but we oftentimes have so much more when we are generous and feel so much more excited and free about what we have. And I say this knowing that there's a lot of privilege in this. I will also say that my household at the time when I started YNAB, we were real close to being on food stamps. Sure. Not that we were, but we were in that group that is just like literally $100 over. So it's mm -hmm. not enough to make the difference. Right. But we were at the cutoff point, And so it's a hard spot to be. And it's not easy to live that paycheck to paycheck life. Oh, no. It's really it's exhausting. Scary. It's exhausting. And when you're not making it paycheck to paycheck, when you're just racking up debt, which I have done in my lifetime, I have lived in that. And my mom has lived in that. Right. I remember viscerally going to the grocery store and being like, I can have eggs, milk, or bread. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not all three. So which one of these is going to get me through the next five days of groceries, right? It is hard to be in those places, and it's super hard to give money away in those times. The objective of getting able to give the last pennies that you have is that act of faith that somehow it's going to be okay. And it won't always be. No. 
right? Let's be real. There are many houseless folks on the street. There are many folks who are not okay. For the vast majority of us in North America who live a middle-class life, learning how to give away our abundance is, I think, a moral imperative. I'm fascinated by how much the looking forward versus looking back changes things. And it's interesting to me to hear you talk about the way that you need a budget does it. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about this new type of earner, the Henrys. Okay. High earning, not yet rich. Oh, interesting. And that kind of looking only towards I don't have enough is such a very different worldview than looking back the other way and going, I have so much. Yeah. I should give some of it away and let other people benefit from what I have. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, the way that we are structured in this society these days is the Henrys who are only looking towards, I'm not yet rich. Right. I need to earn more, make more, do more, have more. And that is not really seeming to benefit us the way it could or should be. Well, it benefits the gross national product. <laughs> it benefits capitalism. It benefits capitalism. Great. Right? I don't mean to sound like I'm... No, I mean, I do mean to sound like mm -hmm. <laughs> right? like that's exactly what it benefits. It benefits capitalism and this constant need to drive up our market share. It benefits people who have invested and expect for there always to be more returns than there were last month, right? If we look at what we have and we are content and we don't buy, then we're toast, yeah. As far as culture goes, right? Like small businesses rely on us to constantly want to get more stuff. Yep. And that's not an evil thing, but there does need to be a balance. And when we're talking about our money and our resources in combination with our faith and spirituality, then we start to have different questions, right? It's not only about are we saving enough? Do we have enough for a rainy day fund? Do we sure. have... Can we go on a vacation? Can I go on a vacation? What are, you know, when we start to talk about using our resources in line with our values, then that question becomes how do I invest in things that build up the community that I'm looking to build up? And some of that is giving money away, Right. Some of that is choosing where you're going to shop. Sure. And so you're supporting the commercialism and in the industry of what you value in that way. A am I making sense? No, I think you're making sense. My next question to you is this. Do you think that with church becoming less and less of a thing, how is that affecting tithing these days? Mm, good question. I know that most households don't give 100% of their gifts only to their local congregation. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Right? Most of us spread it around. I'll be transparent. In our household, the money that I make, so my salary from Central Lutheran, I tithe from that back to Central Lutheran. Okay. So my tithe 100% goes to the church. My spouse's income, he and I decide together. Okay. So some of that comes back to Central Lutheran, and some of it goes to other things. We support someone who's working with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship because she is a an incredible person of God who is called to ministry and is queer and is doing so in a very conservative tradition. Okay. And so it's hard for her to do fundraising. 
And we are right there with her to support her as she explores this ministry option. Right? So we give to IVF on her behalf. We give regularly to a Patreon account. So sure. if you've heard of Patreon, I have. We support two individual artists right now. We, we're supporting more, but we backed that down because our finances have changed. Sure. And so we're supporting the Chapter House in Michigan. Sure. Right. So all of these places that we get to give to, it's not all our local congregation anymore. Right. And we do we do one offs. We do, mm-hmm. you know, GoFundMe's and different things like that because welcome to our medical system. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> the most disappointing part about the way the world is working these days. For I me. know. And so those are the kinds of things that as a household we choose to do. And there are many households that choose to do that as well. And they may not even say, like, one tithe is going to go to the church and the other. You know, they may just say half is going to go here and half are here or 1% to this and 1% to that. Right? You can hack it up any different way you want. Very few households that I know of tithe their full 10% to their local congregation. And that does have an impact yeah. on how churches function now. We cannot do all of our budgeting relying solely on plate offerings. Interesting. That was going to be your next question is how then, knowing that that has changed, how does the church deal with it? Especially when you get into your, is it quarterly that you have the discussion of tithing and everything? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Right. It's real hard. And I would say that in the years that I've been a pastor, it used to be like every November, you would have your stewardship Sunday, October, November, you'd have your stewardship Sunday and you do a pledge drive and those kinds of things. And then like 10 years ago, then they started talking about, you should be talking about stewardship all year round. Oh, yay. And, and now it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of at a loss. I think that it's an area of growth for all of us to learn how to talk about it regularly and sure. openly and without fear. Oh, and money has a stigma. Oh, huge. It really does. Yeah. And fear. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to talk about something that brings up fear more than anything in North America... Start talking about money. Mm-hmm. Who controls it? Who has it? Who doesn't have it? Yeah, it's a big deal. And it should be a big deal because there's huge discrepancies and disparities that are causing massive consequences on people's lives. Oh, yeah. We're so, slowly making our way back to the old robber baron days and it's it, not going to go well. No, no, it won't. It's not good stuff. And for a church, we talk about how do we encourage giving? How do we help people to know how to give. People are willing to give. Yeah. Oh, I heard some crazy statistic that the millennials are the most giving people out there. Yeah. I mean, incredibly generous mm-hmm. because they know what it's like to receive because mm-hmm. they've had to, right? They support each other in some really powerful ways through GoFundMes and Kickstarters and yep. all kinds of things because they don't have other methods to have received some of these starter funds. And the kind of cynicism about organized religion and organized charities that's out there makes it real hard, right? We're willing to give to each other. Oh, yeah. Totally willing. Like if a friend is moving and needs an extra 20 bucks, yeah, totally willing to pitch that in. Yeah, but there are a couple of big name charities that I'm loath to donate to one way or another because of that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That kind of cynicism makes a big difference. And so that's where I feel like the more transparent we can be with our finances and the more transparent we can be with how we do things, 
maybe the less people will be concerned about giving and it being trustworthy and faithfully received. It's hard. It's super hard. Now, my last question to you is going to be this. I'm assuming that because of the way things are changing, a central will sometimes get a larger gift of some way, shape, or form. Like we recently received the estate gift. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What do you do with that now? How does that budgeting look? As a congregation... It's a different kind of a thing, okay? right? As a congregation, then when we receive something like we've received in the Phyllis and Lyle estate gift, it takes time and conversation and careful, I say, stewardship, right? Careful tending and intentionality with that kind of a gift in order to put it to use and not just have it, you know, if... Sometimes not just cycle it into the budget and go. Not just cycle it into the budget and have it leak away, but mm-hmm. also not just hold on to it and never spend a single penny of okay. it. So it never actually impacts the kingdom of God, right? Sure. So it takes a lot of intentional conversation and work to use those kinds of big gifts. I think it's the same in our households. Oh, absolutely. Right? When we... Does the church have some sort of you need a budget? <laughs> I or wish. it's solely a personal tool? <laughs> I've thought about it. I've thought about wondering if we could kind of work towards that, but I think... It would I, be hard. It would be hard. QuickBooks doesn't work the same as you need a budget does. Not so, so much. But it's like when your family receives, if you're lucky enough to get a tax return, a windfall of some sort, and you get something, how do you do that as a family? How Mm -hmm. do you sit down and say, okay, where do our values and where do our needs call us to put this money? We can absolutely just all go out and have a really awesome night at the movies with everybody getting their own large popcorn and soda if we want. (laughs) It's really shocking how much that actually costs these days. (laughs) Like that's that's a hundred dollar night for four people. Oh yeah. Right. Or we can say, all right, how do we want to use this money to impact the world and change it? Whether that's by having ourselves be more healthy or feel more stable or more generous or by investing in an organization working towards the betterment of our community. And what are the ways that we can use this gift to leverage God's kingdom in the world? That's an awesome question to get to ask yourself whenever money comes to you. So that's what I offer so what we're trying to get the congregation to look at as we look at this estate gift is how can we leverage this? How can we use this to bring the kingdom of God closer? Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about budgeting. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for listening. If you have questions about this kind of a thing or you want to know more about this program, feel free to contact pastor at centralportland.org. Or go check out YNAB.com. And I would love to hear how it impacts your life to look at your finances in this way. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.